Here we go. Dr. Charlie Sherry Elliger show. Starring Sherry Elliger and... Oh, I can't remember who the other guy is. I'm so bad at that. Why is that, Sherry? What's it? I can't remember one simple name of one person that's supposed to be on the air co-hosting with you that's passed away years ago. Why is that not top of mind? I don't know. I don't know either, but perhaps if you would like to... Um, Pass on the responsibility to me. I will be glad to do that. Let's. That's. There we go. There we go. Let's put some music underneath this. Make it sound like we're doing a real radio show. Here we go. Down again. Down again. Down again. All righty. Let's see. Well, how about this? They kind of got it wrong, it seemed like. Sean Kemp, I've been hearing this for a long time now. Kemp the Rain Man, the guy that... Uh, was one of the stars of the Sonics and a great basketball player in the NBA. He's had a couple of run-ins with the law, you know, 2005. I think he and a friend of his were in a car, and the cops found a little bit of cocaine, some marijuana, and a gun. I don't think he ever got charged with that. That's 2005. Well, apparently, uh, um, when the story first broke, we're, oh, Sean Kemp involved in a um, in a uh, drive-by shooting, right? And then you're like, oh, golly, yes, drive-by shooting. Well, there's more to the story than that. And um, I guess as it rolls out, we get more information. I saw that Mr. Rose from over Q13 was sort of explaining the details of it. Uh, Sean Kemp has not been charged with anything. The uh, last thing we had heard was what that he had stuff stolen from him out of his car. He tracked his phone to a parking lot in Tacoma. Right so far. And then they I guess he confronted the guy who had stolen his stuff or he believed had his stuff. And then gunfire was exchanged. Is that about where we are with the story, Sherry? Yes, it's unclear. Um, he's claiming, I think, that it was self-defense because the guy shot at him first. Um, uh-huh. No charges have been filed against him. I think they've brought in the other guy, though they caught the other guy. Um, but they're saying it's under investigation now. So uh-huh. I think they're going to try to figure out whether or not. You know, they knew each other before or if it really was a case of stolen property and him going after it and trying Uh to retrieve his stuff. But, yeah, that's the story. He's attracted to this car. He confronted them. And then that's when the shootout happened. So this is what it would sound like if uh, you were in a shootout with an NBA uh, star. There you go. Quite compelling. (laughs) And then uh, Kairos, uh, Sam Campbell spoke to uh, one of the, uh, I guess, the bystanders there was able to. I, I just it. couldn't believe that somebody like Sean Kemp or anybody who's, you know, that's everybody knows would do something as crazy as that. There's no reason to, to do something like that uh, because it's like, that's what we got police for. Damn. I just I just can't believe it. Sean Kemp. That's right. The Rain Man. Let's- Let's sort of follow a line of logic if there's logic involved. Stuff gets stolen out of his car. He's able to track it because it's an iPhone. He knows it's there. Goes up, maybe says a few words to the guy about, hey, I want my stuff back. The guy, does the guy shoot first at Sean Kemp or the guy pulls out a gun? We don't know that part of the story yet. But this is not that unusual that somebody wants to retrieve their stuff and the person who's stolen their stuff doesn't want to give the stuff back. If they're armed and the other person's armed, this is what you get. Right. This is somebody deciding to take the law into their own hands to go get their own stuff back. It happens more often than is ever reported. Yeah. And not only that, but with the lack of response from police, sometimes they may not be able to or want to or, uh, you know, be able to get to the scene as quick as you can. So your inclination is I want to get right over there. I'm just going to wave my gun around or do whatever and hopefully get my stuff back. And then everybody's happy. Yeah. 
So let's see what charges could you get. If the guy pulled out the gun first and started to shoot at him or pulled the gun out, so Sean, Kemp, if he's legal, if he's legally allowed to have a firearm, he's got a concealed weapon, he's then firing the gun in defense. So that's very similar to the case of the kid that was over there at uh, near Westlake about three years ago with the McDonald's shooting. They said, oh, you know what, you we're not going to charge you with anything because it was self-defense because the guy pulled the gun first and shot at you, so you shoot back. So that guy was able to walk on this. I, I imagine that in this case they're going to be able to show Sean was defending himself and he wanted to get his stuff. So there you go. But a big story for a while anyway. When did that thing break? Yesterday? Today? What was that I thing? I think it was today. It was oh, uh, last night, yeah. Oh. Got it. All right. Hey, hey, speaking of guns, by the way, we will be talking to uh, Matt Markovich because of the new gun laws that they expect to have rolling out. Uh, the Washington... I uh, would like to be able to have a 10-day waiting period for guns because they say, well, that's going to uh, stop suicides. Um, and then also, I think, included in there, don't they also want to have that the gun manufacturer can be held responsible? Is that another one? Uh, I know I don't I think that's part of the the one bill the what got passed today uh, was a bill that would require a 10 day waiting period firearms dealers firearm dealers no selling or transferring of guns until the background check um, was completed. And um, mm-hmm. also, you need a proof of completed firearms training programs, or that you've been been involved in for the in the past previous five years. So you have to show that you've been in a gun training program in the last five years. Um, mm-hmm. And the other one is, of course, the assault ban um, and the assault weapon ban. And so yeah. that will be. Um, this this one is it won't go into effect till July 2024. Both of these though passed in the House. If it passes in the Senate, then of course these will become the law. And again, Matt, you, Ma- Matt Markovich will be on to talk to us about that at the four. Yeah, did you see the, st- the story I sent you from Reason.com? This guy is uh, an economist, and he has looked at. Um, he says that most cases, gun laws have little or no effect. And he talks about how the Rand Corporation took a look at twenty-seven thousand nine hundred research publications on the effectiveness of gun control, and the vast body of the work Rand authors found only one hundred and twenty-three of the studies, or about four tenths of a percent. That tested the effective uh, effects righteously. And then he goes on to say, that, uh, rigorously, he said, some of the 27,777 studies may have been useful for non empirical discussions, uh, but other than that, they were all deeply flawed. So the RAND Corporation looks at 27,000, finds 123 that might be good, but then in most cases, there was all sorts of sort of statistical noise, and you can't definitively show that all of these gun laws and all of the studies that it really has little or no effect on the safety of the public. But politicians use them all the time. They quote them all the time. They're used all the time in media. But really, in most cases, that most gun laws have little or no effect when it comes to homicides and suicides. And that's one of the things they're talking about in Washington State. They say if there was a 10-day waiting period, we would have less people killing themselves as a result. The, the, the suicide is you go in, you buy the gun, and then you kill yourself with a gun. Most gun deaths are by suicide, about 70%. So they're saying, let's stop that, and we'll be able to stop suicides. I don't know where the study is that backs that up. I look to see the the place that had the highest countries with the highest suicides. We're not really, I don't think we're in the top 10, but uh, it's a place somewhere in Africa. It's normally 
normally women that are killing themselves. They have the highest suicide rate, and they do it by hanging or poisoning. So even if the gun is not available, people will find a way to to end their life uh, most effectively. This this measure is sponsored by Liz Berry, and here's what uh-huh. she said about it. She said, the, this bill will save lives. It's simple. Ten-day waiting periods reduce gun violence. Research, research shows that delaying a person in crisis from obtaining a firearm can be the difference between life and death, and over half of suicides in the U.S. are done by firearms. That's uh-huh. why this cooling-off period is so important. From your Reason article, it says, not only is the social science literature on gun control broadly useless... But it provides endless fodder for advocates who say that studies prove that a particular a particular favored policy would have beneficial outcomes. Yeah. Well, let's do the 10 day waiting period. Let's say somebody's going in to buy a gun. And the reason they're buying the gun is because they feel as if their life is, could possibly be threatened by somebody who has a gun or in just some regard going to threaten their life. So they're going to wait 10 days. So they're waiting 10 days to be able to defend themselves. This is probably an argument that Jim Walsh would make representative there um, in Aberdeen. So I'm waiting 10 days, because, but I want to go in to buy the gun. I'm going to buy the gun for self-defense because I feel as if my life could be threatened. Now I'm going to wait, so I'm going to wait. I don't have a gun to defend myself, and somebody comes up and kills me. So that life is lost. We didn't save that life by the 10-day waiting period. But they're using the 10-day waiting period cool-off uh, to try to reduce the amount of suicides. So you can make so, the argument one way or the other, right? Well, let me ask you this. As a gun owner, nah. yes. I'm curious about this. You have guns and you are, you know, if let's say you wanted to go out and buy a gun because for uh-huh. recreation, for hunting, whatever it is that you want to use it for. Is it really that much of an impediment for you to wait 10 days? Um, is an impediment for me to wait 10 days? Uh, it depends on what I want the gun for. Do I, if I want to buy the gun for self-defense, if I need a gun for self-defense, and I, for some reason, the impetus for me to buy the gun is because I feel as my, uh, my my life is threatened, I now am unable to defend myself. So there's a restriction on my uh, Second Amendment rights to be able to defend myself by having to wait 10 days. You know, why why are you putting it in place? So uh, I'm looking at, so I just wrote, Jim Walsh just wrote me, uh, 85% of mass shootings use semi-automatic rifles. That's a garbage statistics manufactured by activists, mostly by massaging the definition of mass shootings and generating desired outcomes. In fact, multiple homicides, shooting sprees, and incidents don't involve semi they they do not involve semi-automatic rifles. Anyway, uh, would the 10 days be a problem for me if I wanted to go buy a gun? Like, I'm going to go down to my little hardware store down here, I'm going to buy an AR-15. I'm going to buy another one because I think they're going to try to whack those. So I'm going to get in there and get one of those before they make them illegal in the state of Washington. Uh, and I think and we primarily can talk to Yeah, primarily as a, as a blank you uh, to the state of Washington. I don't need one of those guns, but I just want to buy one because I'm being told I can't own one. Well, I mean, we can ask Matt about this, but I think that that legislation is going to pass probably. So, you know, you need to if you're going to get one, I guess you're going to get one. The gun manufacturers love this, you know, because this is the kind of thing that it's an impetus for people to go out and, and buy something because like you, they they're challenged by the fact that they suddenly can't have it. Um I just right, I but just most people but sure most people are probably like, I'm gonna get one because I wanted to get one. Now you're forcing me to buy one early. 
So I'll go down and get one now, but I'm buying it because I was told I can have one. So it's that contrarian in me. You know, you're going to take it away from me. So I'll, I'll, and besides, the AR-15 is a heck of a lot of fun. I do shoot an AR-15. I have one and I would be using, I'd buy another one, but I'd have it because it's nice to be able to small game, have multiple shots because I'm such a bad shot and I'm shooting at uh, coyotes and stuff like that on the property. I think. The tricky part here is that, and don't get me wrong, I am not uh-huh. anti-gun at all. Not okay. at all. I, all, right. I, all right. I defend anybody's right to own a gun. However, I think that the the problem is that for the people that that don't like guns, want to ban everything or whatever, uh, they're going on sort of this moral kind of thing about how, you know, if one life can be saved and all of that, and the gun owners are doing the same thing, standing on the on the whole idea of you're imposing on my rights to own a gun. I just, I don't know if there's ever going to be middle ground here. If people are ever going to be able to agree what might help a little. And I think that gun owners or gun advocates will say mental health. That's all that it is. It has nothing to do with the gun. It has to do with somebody being mentally ill and wanting to do harm to somebody. And so you can't legislate that. You have to just accept the fact that those people need to get help and you need to be able to intervene or see the signs or something like that. Yes. Right. There's. The mental health issue, you're not going to be able to write legislation for that. Two, every single law that they pass restricts the rights of law-abiding citizens, doesn't do anything for the criminals because the criminals will always be able to get their hands on guns. You can be in the U.K. where they don't have guns, but you can stab somebody with a knife or you can run somebody down with a truck. We saw that the other day in New York. If people are mentally ill to the point that they want to kill a whole bunch of people, they'll find some way to kill a whole bunch of people. The majority of gun deaths are a suicide. And then it's handguns that are um, killing 8,000 people in, in cities across the United States. Uh, the homicide rate is even higher than that. Cause again, anytime you pass a law, the only people that will obey that law are law abiding citizens. The people that are restricting the guns, and I used to have this discussion with Tom all the time. He was anti-gun. I used to say, if you're so anti-gun, and this is to anybody else out there that's anti-gun, put a sign in the window of your house saying, this house is anti-gun. There are no guns in this house. Put the sign in the window. If you really believe it, and other people put the sign in the window as well. If you put that sign in the window, what are you basically telling anybody walking by the house that has ill intent? That you're unprepared, that you're defenseless. Yes, that, that this is a place to come in and kill me and take my stuff. And don't worry about it. You're not going to get shot because I'm anti-gun. Most of the people that are passing these gun laws live in a place where they don't have to worry. They don't use the gun to hunt. They've never fired a gun before. They don't know the pleasure of going to a shooting range. They don't know anything about guns, but they feel somehow that if they were to stop the amount of guns on the streets or stop me from buying a gun, somehow the world's going to be safer. You're not going to be able to do what they did in Australia because we have a constitutional right to be able to defend ourselves with a gun. And that's it. So they they mess around with these numbers. They fudge these numbers, talking all about, oh, the assault weapons ban was crap. They passed that thing. And you can see the numbers that did had little or no effect on homicides. And uh, Biden always brags about that thing. If you want to get a gun and you want to kill somebody, you're you're going to be able to find a gun. Take the people that are committing crimes with guns and put them in jail. That's the only way you're going to be able to reduce that crime. But. They'll come up with another law because it's going to make people feel really good in order to be able to somehow restrict my right to own a gun. So I'll be down at the hardware store tomorrow morning to purchase an AR-15.
And when you get here, Sherry, for my big party, I'm going to mm-hmm. let you shoot that thing. You're going to love it. It's so much fun. <laughs> I don't know. So much fun. I wouldn't huh? trust me with that. I wouldn't trust me with that. I have yeah. a feeling I would be, it would, it, it, something weird would happen. I, I tried it one time. I mean, I went, I had an old boyfriend who was really into it. Oh no, what are these? That's a oh. uh, 38. Yeah. Uh, that's a Walther PPK is a 45. Yeah. Well, are they unloaded? Um, yep. Nope. And No. Uh, okay, maybe you need to put them someplace like um, in a locked cabinet. Uh, I'll put them away so that the legislators can't get them. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Just uh, just be careful. All right. I got two more over there. I have a rifle. There's a, a um, an old Winchester. Uh, why hasn't that gun killed anybody? Hang on a second. Hang on. Okay. Uh oh. Hang on, Nate. Yeah. We, we're not sure what's happening. Oh, boy. Here comes a shotgun. A shotgun? Why hasn't, the, how, why hasn't this gun killed anybody? Huh? Uh, I guess you haven't really wanted to kill anybody. Hopefully. No, but why hasn't me. the gun killed anybody? Because it's gun violence. I was just wondering. At what point is this? This is a 22. Uh, it doesn't right. have arms. There you go. All right. John Curley, Sherry Elliger Show, and for some reason they want you to be able to see us. Can you see me, Sherry? I can see you. Can you see me? I can see you. Hi there. <laughs> so we were people write about. They're like, what's the what is that in the background? It's like, hey, hey, don't be worried about what's in the background. You just mind your own P's and Q's there, Missy, whoever you are, writing in and wondering why are you wearing that? And why is Sherry wearing the red sweater and the her a pair of old man glasses. Don't you worry. That's not what we're talking about here. All right. By the way, why don't you go to RLE, Dr. Uh, Compstine over there at um, myk2vision.com. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. I, I would love to. I just, yeah, okay. uh, I, yeah, I can. You got to wait till you're in. over 50. You got to wait till you're over 50. Yeah, All right. <clears throat> Let's see. The uh, Washington comes up with a uh, bill banning single family zoning. So the Seattle Times has this. And what they're trying to do is they want to be able to go into those neighborhoods now because about 85% of the Seattle, you know, uh, real estate area, the property there, you can't, you can't build somewhere. You got your little beautiful little bungalow there in Wallingford. You got your little sign out front that says, you know, we believe in love and love is love and all this other stuff. Uh, you got that sign out front and now they're going to be able to no more single family dwelling. So if somebody comes in and sells, a developer can come along and put four units in or eight units, whatever they, they've set up with the zoning on the thing. And this is going to make for more affordable housing, right? Is that it? Yeah, it's HB 11110. It passed. Okay. Um, now it, it would legalize duplexes or triplex or fourplexes in um, basically every neighborhood. So it's not saying that you can't construct or you cannot build a single-family home. It just relieves or eliminates those restrictions in areas where there are only single-family homes. I mean, there are a lot of places that say you can't build a duplex or a fourplex on this particular subdivision or somewhere like that. This will now eliminate that because they're saying that people can't, they just can't single-family homes they need to have more affordable housing and this will allow younger people to set to you know put down roots and get a start in a neighborhood without having to wait until they have enough money for for a really expensive mortgage 
Okay, so let's play the game that I'm a developer. So somebody sells the house, and I say, okay, can I develop here? Yeah, you can put a fourplex in. Okay, let's see. Am I going to build a four? So I bought the land for, I don't know, 800000 I'm going to knock the house down, so I don't care about the – I'm just buying the dirt. Let's just say – make a simple number. So I, uh, a million bucks. Buy the place for a million bucks. Now, am I going to put in affordable – Four duplex. I'm going to build four apartments or four condos. Are they going to be, uh, I don't know, $2,200 a month if I was going to rent it? Uh, or am I, after I spend a million dollars for the dirt, am I going to put in high-end, beautiful condos or apartments where it's 5000 or $6,000 a month for each one of those units? Will I put in make it affordable? quote unquote affordable or will I be able to get a return on my investment because I spent so much money on the dirt? What do you think will happen? I, I think it could go either way. I think people could do it on the cheap and not have to, you know, require very high rents. And that I think is a bigger issue is that if you all these kind of cheesy fourplexes go up everywhere, uh, everybody mm-hmm. suffers because then you've, you've got not quality construction, but it's just there because the opportunity is there. And then the single family homes suffer from that because you've got, you know, these not up to par homes. Uh, it would require cities with populations between 25,000 and 75,000 to allow duplexes in all residential areas in bigger right. cities with more than 75,000 or smaller suburbs of Seattle all residential areas would also have to allow fourplexes. Right. I'm not talking about the quality. I'm just saying a builder will want to maximize the investment. So this idea that a builder is going to come along and build quote unquote affordable Who will determine that? The affordability of the value of anything is determined by what someone's willing to pay for it, and also depends upon supply and demand. So you have a 1,000 houses and you only have 800 buyers, you're going to have a problem. The prices of the houses are going to come down. You're now going to be able to try to build enough to meet market demand in order to bring the prices down. And if somebody's willing to pay more for the house than you are, then you're going to drive the price up. So this idea of affordable, it's not going to do much in order to be able to reduce the homelessness if that's what they believe. This will help with the capacity of building, but you're going to have, what if I own the little house next door and I'm paying whatever I'm paying in interest, and the value of my house is X. Now, all of a sudden, a duplex goes in next to me. I don't get as much uh, sunlight as I used to. I don't have the same views anymore. And the neighborhood sort of just general aesthetics has changed. The value of my home has decreased. How do you think I feel about that? Because I've been paying taxes and paying my mortgage for all these years. And now, all of a sudden, my house is not as worth as much because I'm living next to an apartment building. That's also a problem. Well, I think lawmakers have the philosophy that because it's becoming so unaffordable for anybody to own a home, that this gives the opportunity for, you know, otherwise you're going to have a a potential exodus of cities and places because people just can't afford to live there anymore. So this will allow people to come in, take a job, be able to live in the city where they work and do all that. Theoretically, it is a good idea, but I understand what you're saying. I would not be happy if I had a home and all of a sudden there was a fourplex going up next to me and it would, you know, completely the whole look of the neighborhood would go. I mean, the neighborhoods are planned. They're planned in a way that are, you know, are supposed to be very pleasing and it might look out of place. It might look strange. I don't know, but, um, but I, I think that they are, they are hoping that this will keep younger people in the area. 
Um, if a man has an apartment and he wants to charge $10,000 and nobody can afford to pay the $10,000, he doesn't rent the place. He keeps dropping the price until finally he gets somebody who's willing to pay. He drops it all the way down to $2,800 and he gets a renter. So the price is now $2,800. It's affordable to the person paying $2,800, but it's not affordable to the person who can't make that amount of money. So the idea is the price will meet the market demand. And if you have enough rich people living in an area and the guy can charge or the woman can charge X amount of dollars, in order to have a tenant, they will charge. It's always the supply and demand and what the person is willing to pay. When you had all those tech workers, 27-year-old guy making a quarter of a million dollars a year, and he wants to live in an apartment, the guy who's got the apartment realizes, oh, I can charge this, or I can keep charging this, and you can only you keep charging whatever you can charge in order to be able to get a tenant in there. If he charges too much, he doesn't have a tenant. So there's that balance in there. This whole idea of if we had more affordable houses, we'd have less homeless people, that is a pile of crap. But I, yeah, I don't think this is, yeah, that's, this isn't what that is. This is not about buying, you know, making um, those little houses and uh, yes. tiny houses and things like that. This is about affordability for people that can, that can pay rent, not for people that okay. need a home. I got it. So they're just going to try to increase supply. All righty. All right. Well, we'll see. If you want to live in Seattle, uh, where 80% of people have no faith in the city council. Do you see that story? I did see that, yes. Jeez, yes, hurts, the numbers are in, and it doesn't look good for anybody that uh, might be running for office. they got to take note of this. That's right. Put your glasses on. You're so serious and so intelligent. Girls that have glasses don't make passes. Is that right? I can't remember how that goes. Uh, I am, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not familiar. Is that it? But I'll, I'll keep that in mind. How about if I take them off for a while? Is that better? All right. Uh, by the way, the Army has decided they're going to go back to their old motto because, well, uh, we'll explain. Plus a whole lot of news and nonsense going on. Matt Markovich is going to stop by with the latest on the assault weapon bans. And I'm checking back there, Sharon. You can see I've got a whole bunch of guns. Not one of them has killed anybody since I've been on the air uh, for about 40 minutes. John Curley, Sherry Ellicker Show, starring, well, Sherry Ellicker and you. Yes, you. How are you? Well, you get it right to us. MyNorthwest.com. Come on into the state roofing text line, one 888 Come on. You can do it. A little bit more. Five, four, little more. Seven, six. Okay. Is that Rye walking by in the background? Can you see him? I saw some. You ever I seen Rye? You ever seen Rye? Just in Rye, old pictures. Rye, come here. He needs a haircut. Come here, look at here he is. Look at here he is. Here he is. Look at look at this crazy hair. Here he is right there. See? Look right in there. Oh, hey. there? Hi, Ryan. Oh, he's so cute. Is he hot? Look at that. Look at him. What the hair for? Do the do the hair thing. Do the hair thing for Sherry. Oh, look at, huh? Oh, look at that. The kid with the hair. It's too much. I'm telling you. Yeah, I love him. He's ah, he's he so cute. Now go join the army. Be all that you can be, Rye. There's a segue to the next story. So the army has decided how many people they need? Fifty six thousand? Is that what they want? Yeah, they want, they need to get about, uh, 65,000. They got 45,000 last year. And uh-huh. their old slogans were Army Strong, Army of One. But they're reinventing the slogan, Be All You Can Be. They're also rolling uh-huh. this out in Spanish, English, and maybe some other languages. Um, they're finding that 71% of young people are disqualified because of a mental or physical aptitude problem. So they're doing this pre-enlistment thing where you, if you, let's say you don't meet that the physical requirements. Two, 
That means too fat or too dumb. Or both. And so if you don't, it's if you, <laughs> double trouble. <laughs> hey, you know what, Sonny? You, you, you're doing great. You, you're missing out on both. You're too fat and you're too dumb. So don't feel bad about being too fat. Feel bad. Well, and you're too dumb. So they've invented these uh, pre-enlistment prep courses for the fat and yeah. the dumb, and um, you can get in there. <laughs> and and then they, I mean, they're really desperate. And I was telling you this on the pre-show call. Um, I I met somebody a couple of weeks ago. They came to visit from Chicago, and this woman works for the advertising agency that that does this. And they uh-huh. did a bunch of studies on this and a lot of research on what they could do to attract young people. And they're finding that one of the reasons. Uh, it's not really any more about serving your country or like it was uh, after 9-11 where people just felt this need, this this obligation to go and fight for their country. Now young people are saying, I don't want to lose a leg. I don't want to mm-hmm. lose my life. I'm uh, not going to make the sacrifice. So they have okay. to now promote it in such a way that the Army will enhance you as an individual, give you skills, help you manage the world, give you a career. And that's yeah. why Be All You Can Be is, is coming back. Got it. Often the army seemed to be a place where people that weren't sure where they wanted to go in life, they're like, well, I'm going to join the army for a little while and figure some things out. I know that when I was struggling and my that guy was dating that uh, Charles Feeney's daughter, Charles Feeney, who invented duty-free stores, told me, called me into his office and said, I need you to do two things. I need you to, uh, I need you to move out of here and I need you to go join the army. It's like, yeah, huh? Because he thought that'll give you discipline. It'll help straighten out your life. Did you know that the average kid under the age of 16 spends less time outside than somebody in a federal prison? That doesn't surprise me because you don't have video games outside or you're, you know, social media, you know. Yeah. So imagine somebody going, I spend the majority of my life sitting inside on the couch playing video games uh, or sitting in my room doing God knows what. Now, all of a sudden, I'm going to want to join the army, jump over stuff and crawl around in the dirt and uh, be outside and fire off a gun and do all that sort of stuff. I mean, what the army is offering and where the American youth are, it couldn't be further apart. But good luck trying to get them in there. Sixty-five thousand. It's it's really a crisis. I mean, they they they're yep. not prepared to defend. If we were to get into a conflict where people had to actually go to war, uh, we'd be, you know, woefully inadequate at this point. Can they take somebody sixty with with uh, their own natural growing hair and teeth? Uh, they probably uh, can. Do you need some more direction in your life? I, I just think it'd be kind of fun. Just see, Sherry, do that. Find out for me. Yeah, or maybe right, let, me, let, me, let me make a call. Yeah, find out. Uh, find out okay. if there's an age limit for the Army. Well, you've certainly got the arsenal. Yeah. You've got that part covered. <laughs> Bring your own gun. Bring your own gun. <laughs> BYOG. All right, All right good. Hey, the Beacon Public Traffic Desk. Take it home, baby. Yeah, this report brought to you by Atomic Southbound 4.